recording. Okay. Um, I feel like I had to just throw that on the floor. Um, I feel like in order to get the full picture of what that last verse says, we need to start at the beginning. So I'm going to go all the way back to verse 1 on chapter 19 of Psalms. So Psalm 19, verse 1. And it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And in the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. And by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins, and may they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression." May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, J. Vernon McGee, you know, Susie and I just really love that old guy. Um, He said, you know, you could break this up into three different parts. You know, talking about the creator, you know, Elohim, the mighty one that created all things, is which you see that in those first six verses, right? you know, creator of heaven and earth, things on that I dwell on, um, if I'm not focusing on who God is and what he's done, and that's what David starts with. David's like, I'm going to focus on who God is. Do you remember that, um, that little exchange between Job and God in, in uh, chapter 38 of Job where Job's uh, getting a little haughty and a little upset, and then he responds, hey, Job, did you hang the sun? Did you lay out the foundation of the earth, right? He comes back at him like, who am I to challenge God on what and how things are going, right? And so he says, you know what? I focus on the magnitude of what God has done. Because we know that scripture says that even the rocks will cry out and they will praise him if we're not, right? So he focuses on God is big. He can handle my little problem, right? And he says, you know, If I don't focus on God, I'll eventually spill out. I know it is for me. Things will just start spilling out, right? Um, Those words that we didn't even know we knew that were stuffed down in our heart that come out. Um, So I kind of created an acronym because I saw more than three um, divisions. And starting with this first one, and this will be an appropriate acronym. It's M... O-U-T-H. Okay. Mouth. That's what I got. Anybody else got a mouth? <laughs> if I got a heart, I got a mouth, the scripture tells me, right? And um, so this first one here is mighty one. 
And this is verses 1 through 6, talking about Elohim, the God of all creation, the big God that can handle everything, right? This next one is going to be obey. And this is verses 7 through 11. What do we see in verses 7 through 11? What's your observations there? nothing hidden from God. Nowhere you can go, nothing you could do that is hidden from God, right? Okay. It's also talking a lot about the law in those verses, isn't it? Well, and who is the other guy? Not McGee, but the other guy? Warren Wiersbe? Warren Wiersbe. I was reading him this morning, and he was talking kind of about, you know, the differences in those when they talk about the law, they're talking about the Torah. Mm-hmm. And when they're talking about the statutes, they're talking about something else. I can't remember I didn't write it down. The precepts are something else. The commands are something else. But it all falls under God giving us, telling us, this is how you live mm-hmm. in order to have a life that you know is worthy and is one where we're going to be happy. Yeah. And it's pleasing to him. Yes, and it's pleasing to him. Yeah. The one thing, like in verse 7, saying that the law is perfect, who's not perfect? Right. Well, there's nothing we can do, which is why Scripture says there's no good. There's not enough good in us that we could measure up, which is why we needed Jesus, right? So there's never going to be, I, I don't care what you say or what your mind has told you, every one of you are sinners, right? Including me, Right? And it's shocking. <laughs> um, I can try, though, to justify my behavior. Anybody else do that? I want to justify it. You know what? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Well, God, I don't know if you're, uh, you know, kind of used to this sort of situation, so I'm not sure you've got pertinent information. That must not apply to this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so e- even in my current situations in life, I, I'll think, <laughs> Well, surely I get a free pass to have my mouth run on this, right? Right? <laughs> get some laughs in the room because you understand. Um, but there's no amount of public opinion, even if I polled the room and I said, do you think I could say some no good, dirty things to you guys right now? And you'd go, yeah, come on. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. Let's hear it. Go. <laughs> I deserve it. You're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have a right to say that. You have a right to be angry. You have a right to be mad. You have a right to, you know. Share whatever you want out of your heart. And, um, you know, but Scripture says that we need to watch our mouths, right? Watch the things that comes out of our mouths, right? And um, so there's no amount of public opinion that is going to change God's mind, okay? Um, And then we see in verse 11, there's great reward in keeping his commands. What is some of the reward that you can think of? And keeping God's commands. Our salvation. Your salvation, yeah. Yeah, that's number one, right? Believe in him, receive salvation. Peace. And Peace. Okay. Yeah, okay. Philippians 4, 7. You know, if you would take things to God and you pray about it and you give it to him, 
I don't have to pull the room and ask if I can vent to you. If I take it to God, he's going to bring me a peace that no one else can. Right? Um, any other things that you can think of there? Joy. Joy. Amen. He promises joy, doesn't he? There's a lot of things that we could see in Scripture where God has said, if you would just turn to me and let me be your rock in this situation. Right? Uh, verse, uh, I'm sorry, the next one, you, well, we're just kind of cheating because we're going to say, you are not the authority. That bite anyone? I think it's Kathy. Kathy, it, it bites you, right? Right? What do you mean I'm not the authority? Right? Um, well, when I look at it, and this, this goes with verses 12 and 13. Um, when I look at it and I read, who can discern his errors? What? Well, don't I get to decide what's error and what's not error? Right? Um, forgive my hidden faults because you know what? There's some things that I've done that nobody else knows, but God knows. Right? <coughs> um, what about keep your servant also from willful sins? Willful sins. Uh, guilty. Right? Guilty. I know what you tell me, Lord. I know that you say I'm not supposed to run my mouth off about that. But here I am choosing to do it anyway. Right? Helen does it all the time, don't you, Helen? Right? She's willfully tells me off. <laughs> Helen doesn't like when I pick on her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll do it anyway. I choose to be the boss of me. You ever get that way? The boss of me, right? I don't, need, I don't need anybody else to tell me how to behave. I don't need to be corrected. I don't need to let Lord, the Lord in this area of my life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I look at Job again. And here's Job. He thinks he's going to tell God. That didn't work out so well for Job. Is my heart truly... When I think about the picture on the, on the cover of this book, is, is my heart truly penetrated with the Word of God? I, I think that's what David meant when he said, examine my heart, Lord. Because I'm, I can give a lot of lip service. Heck, I'm standing before you as the teacher of the Bible study, right? That's a lot of lip service I can get give about what God says about this topic. And then I can walk straight out the door and do the exact opposite. And at some point, I probably will, right? Because I do not measure up. But do we live that way? And we call it righteous? Do we continue on that pattern? Do we not ever set ourselves up for any accountability to God or anyone else? Right? Sharon's looking at me like, girlfriend, you need an accountability partner? Here I am. Sharon, I think, would tell me. Yep. So truly is my heart penetrated by the word of God, by the love of God, if I continue to walk down this road and never change and continue to want to be the boss of me. Right? And so David's looking at the bigger picture right now. This next one, though, here's where we get into the meat of things. 
and squirts all, all out, right girls? We are emotional. We are emotional. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as he said that earlier, that's Matthew 12, 34 and Luke 6, 45. And the, what is it called? Life Application Study Bible Commentary says, Would you change the way you live if you knew that every word and thought would be examined by God first? Would change, right? Right? If I stopped my thoughts, okay, let's be honest. If I shut my mouth and I took that thought to God first and say, is this appropriate? I wouldn't need to poll the audience, would I? Because the Holy Spirit would tell me. And at that point, I'd need to choose to obey, right? Or choose to be willful and go my own way. And that's the crossroads of where we're at with this verse. What choice am I making, right? Um, David asks that God would um, put him in a place that the things that were coming out of his mouth and the things he were doing were pleasing to God in his sight in this verse. Um, would God approve his words and reflections as though they were offerings brought to the altar? So remember when we were talking about the law up here? Well, what did the law require? Sacrifice. The, that's okay. The law required sacrifice, didn't it? They had to bring a, an animal that was blemish-free because if it wasn't, it wasn't um, accepted at the altar for either the animal or for the worshiper that was bringing it. And so David, understanding that he is now the one bringing a sacrifice from the words and the things in his life, is saying, God, I want the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be so pleasing to you that you would accept them as a sacrifice from me, right? Ooh, that goes a little deeper, doesn't it? Like if I stop and I say, Lord, this is the sacrifice I want to bring to you right now. I'm going to shut it down on my mouth right now. I'm going to gut it out of my heart, right? I'm going to allow you to transform. I'm going to allow you to go before me and behind me, as scripture says, and I'm not going to try to fight my own battle. I'm not going to try to put that person in their place, even though I got all the good words. <laughs> I got a good speech. <laughs> I can make a good attempt. I can make a good attempt, Lord. I can stand right here in the gap for you. <laughs> I can help you, Lord. <laughs> Smite the mighty smiter. <laughs> But you know what? The other thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that has really stood out to me as I wrestle in this in my life (coughs) is that God was okay that David went to him with all of his anger, right? With all of his disappointment, with all of his sadness. He took it all to God and let God bring him peace. And by the end of every one of those Psalms, he was praising God and and his outlook is turning up, right? That's what we learned from David. You can be real. We don't have to stuff it down. But just the outlet has to be Jesus, right? So remembering um, 
if you don't go deep all the way to the heart, you're just talking about the surface life, right? Pat is a saint to me, right? I never see Pat do a thing wrong. She's the greatest encourager I know. And so if anyone ever told me that Pat told them off, I wouldn't believe them. Right? She talked to Mikey. <laughs> Maybe I might believe about Mike. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, but you know what? And Pat's not on purpose giving every, everyone the impression that she's just so sweet and perfect. She's not. But we look at her and we see a certain thing, right? But if, if Pat was sitting in this room telling us how sweet and perfect she was, and then at Walmart we see her telling somebody off and ripping them up a new one, right? <laughs> then we're going to say, it's not matching up, Pat. <laughs> it's Safeway. It's Safeway. <laughs> and I believe it. I believe it. So the truth, though, is going to come to the surface. If you say you're one way and you're actually not and the stuff goes flying, the true personality is going to come out. The true character is going to come out. That's true for other people and it's true for ourselves, right? Um, Warren Wiersbe said, the word in the hand. So this goes for anyone. And I'm talking about Christians today, right? People that know the word. The word in the hand. I'm walking around with the Bible, right? Is fine, right? The word in the head is better. Maybe I know the scripture, right? But the word in the heart is what transforms us. Why does the word in the heart make a difference? It's the way you're living. And what'd you say? Because you're living it. You're living it, right? And loving it, right? Because we don't store things in our heart unless it's something we're holding on to. It's a place you enjoy to be. It's something you're clinging to, right? Something that you love. It comes natural. Exactly. It's what transforms us. It's what matures us. It's what says to us, uh, shut the mouth. Take it to God. Right? But that takes training, doesn't it? Isn't that part of what sanctification is? Like it's this journey that we're on, right? Where we learn that we're going along and we're and this stuff keeps popping up like david says you know and lord examine my heart and show me the wicked ways father give me a clean heart all of those words that he says throughout psalms where he is asking god to get the gunk out right that's where we're at you know clear out the gunk god i don't want to be this um surface christian that's walking around i want to know that even in the hidden places even in the dark places that I'm standing in a right standing with God, right? I want authentic relationship with him with authentic transformational change in my heart. That's what we should desire as Christians, not to get away with no one actually knowing our thoughts, right? Or seeing our actions. We need to honestly examine ourselves and the fruit that is coming out. So when the rubber meets the road, our actions speak louder than our words. One of the truest statements there ever was. Actions speak louder than words. And so if you have fooled yourself into thinking that you are a sweet little girl, but every time you get angry or upset or jealous or whatever the word may be that triggers you, 
if your behavior coming out is ugly, well, there's the truth. And that's where it needs to be. There's some operational work that the Holy Spirit needs to do there. And we need to get on board with allowing him to do that. And how do I change this, God? I need you to be the transformational change. Um, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. What does that mean? Twenty-three seven, Proverbs twenty-three seven. So as a man thinketh, so is he. What does that mean, Cora? Whatever you're thinking, usually that's what you're going to act on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's another translation. Maybe it's the King James one. As a man thinketh <coughs> in his heart, mm-hmm. so is he. So is he. Yeah, same. Again, there, I think the other. I think from the King James, it says something like, "As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he." Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what she says. What you're thinking is really what you are. Yeah. Yes, right? So if you think that you are lazy and you tell yourself you are lazy and you tell everyone you are lazy, you're probably going to be lazy, right? And it has. Lately I've been saying that. Yeah. And I I want to sleep. I don't want to do anything. I am. Yeah. I'm not going to be lazy. Don't be lazy. Yeah. The opposite. You know, you say, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, I can't do it will only in reinforce every time you fail in something, right? Until eventually you give up because you can't do it, you tell yourself, right? And, you know, it's mm-hmm. so, it's so um, eye-opening because I've always known that I could be the poster child for this scripture, mm. you know, as someone thinks in their heart that's how they are because I've seen that. You know, people will say to me, "Oh, Susie, you go to church, and and you'll tell me a Bible verse, and you'll and you'll pray with me." But then, all, but then all of a sudden, you know, there I am, ready on my poster <laughs> for what really is still in my heart. Still in your heart. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. You know, and some days we'll have a little bit of victory. Mm-hmm. I didn't say it. I didn't do it, yeah. right? But I still bought it. I still bought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, words are powerful, though, right? I'm sure if I asked you right now, just to yourself, think of something from the time you were born till now that somebody said nice about you, and you've remembered it. You got it? Mm-hmm. Now think of something somebody said mean or not so kind to you. And you remember it, right? Yes. Yeah. Our words are powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've had things come out of my mouth that I've said about someone else, you know? And um, and they'll apologize for it and hope that it's not one of those things that sticks, right? Um, so we definitely not only remember what people have said to us and what we've said to others, but we spend every day saying things to ourselves, don't we? Mm-hmm. Every day saying these same types of things. I'm lazy. I can't do it. Um, you fill in the narrative, whatever it may be. And it may be things like, I'll always be alone. I'll never have a something. You know, whatever it may be. Those kinds of things will always run through. Do you know that we have over 10,000 thoughts a day, they say? 10,000 thoughts a day. But I don't think men do. No, they're <laughs> 10. 
10 spots. Yeah, like maybe 10. Like, where's mm -hmm. the toilet? Uh, what's for dinner? Where's my phone? Yeah. <laughs> 10 they, thoughts, I could name <laughs> They said, and again, this must be about women, because I know it's not my husband. Um, you could have 2,000 thoughts by the time you even get out of bed, from the time you wake up in the morning, right? Right? That's a lot of thoughts. I, I, maybe you don't, but my brain never shuts down. We talked about it, you know, like, uh, I think Carol was like that too, where you hear all the time, right? Your brain doesn't shut down, right? Um, so I think I, I thought 10,000 was a low number for what I hear in a day. <laughs> so you're thinking of the smart before you get out Woo, yeah. <laughs> um, so do you think that anger is always a sin? No, there's righteous anger, Scripture tells us. I think it's what we do with it. I think it's a matter of where's the root of it. If, you're, if, you're, if it's bitterness that's a root in your heart, and you and I have talked about that. If it's bitterness and you're just not letting go, and so every time, you know, someone's name's mentioned, we're going, right? And we're throwing darts. That's not God's will, you know? Um, was there maybe a reason, a righteous anger for that? Yeah, there probably was. Um, and, but we have to work continually on forgiveness. Well, and I think yeah. when that anger comes, giving it to the Lord then, yeah. you know, working that into your routine of what you do, if that, it's yeah. not if, it's yeah. when that when. anger comes, yeah. you're going to have it. Over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over again. again. Yeah. And um, it seems like sometimes... Mm -hmm. Anger is the solution. You know, you can sit there and get beat down and beat down and beat down by the same person all the time, and you're nice and you're polite and you you pray for them and you give and you think of scriptures and you put them on your list. And sometimes you just have to say, "Will you shut up?" <laughs> and yeah. and and then they go. But that's what we feel like, right? But what does scripture say? You shouldn't tell them to shut up. You shouldn't. It doesn't say we should tell anyone to shut up. It says that. There's probably some Shakespearean way of saying that. They don't hear the kindness. And what if they don't hear the kindness? What if they they don't want to hear it? I think. Would it be unbiblical to move away from them? Because because scripturally, I can see it's shake the dust off your feet and go away. Not hang out in the doorway and tell them off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they need to be told off. Sometimes well, you need to tell your kid or something. You know what? You're messing up. You know, you are, just you, walk away with your. But what does scripture say about that? It's not all lollipops and lala. No, no. You know, if I walk but, around doing lollipops and lala, my kids are going to look at me. No, like, that's true. Well, disciplining your children is different. Const but your adult children are harder. Yeah. You're done disciplining them now. Yeah. It's just. I think setting you boundaries. You set boundaries. You say things in love is what scripture says. <laughs> you say it in love. You what confront it. You yeah, set an example. You're in deep mess up, honey. Yeah, right? No, you you're in deep boundaries. mess up. Is that what you said? You're in deep mess up. <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah. setting those boundaries for your yeah. adult children. Because yeah. I know even with my son, you know, he'll want to talk to me like I'm somebody he's in charge of. You know, and I'll tell him, okay, we're done with this conversation. You can call me later. But, yeah. You know, and then the next time he calls back. Yeah. You know, we don't have to go through, I'm so sorry, Mom. You know? It's done. It's done. Yeah. It's done. That We're having a different conversation now. Yeah. But he does that a whole lot less because mm -hmm. when he first became an adult, 
and he thought that he was in charge of me now, you know, I kind of set those boundaries. This is not the way you're going to deal with me. Mm-hmm. And I will, on the other hand, not deal with you as a child. Yeah, it's true. Um, and, and I think making it a positive when they're, when they're being, like you just can't stand them anymore or whatever. Just, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I liked it because my granddaughter, she she'd say, I have her go to the other room. Go in the other room and pull yourself together when you're going <coughs> out. Have some fun, you know. Uh-huh. So. That makes sense. Well, when they're little, you know, that's one thing. That's but different, yeah. Adult children, and they're still in your life, yeah, yeah. 24 hours a day. Yeah. You know, or their behavior has impacted your life 24 hours a day. I I think those are. Um, what was one of those online Bible studies we we just did? In fact, I was talking to my friend down in Phoenix, Stacy, about it, and it was somebody that said. Um, those those times of pain and and sorrow are passports to take us to a place mm. where we would never get any mm. other way. Yeah. And I know when I've had those times in my life, they brought me to a place with the Lord that because I knew it was the only way I could go, mm-hmm. else I was going to die. I only could go that way towards the Lord. That it it did work those things in my life that I never would have gotten there had right. I not been for that. Sure, sure, yeah. I think specifically, though, when it comes to the thought life side of it, though, not necessarily the confrontational side of it, but um, the thought life of, of not holding on to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, just to kind of just change the change it back a little bit here to to kind of the direction I was heading in is, is about the scientific evidence they have now about your thought life, right? Um, they say, you know, stress worsens illness. Um, fear, we know that the chemicals go off in our body in that fight or flight mode. Um, people that are optimistic have a better immunity. Those who are depressed have weaker immunity. Um, so our thoughts influence the neurotransmitters in our brain. Um, so, so much so, then I'm, I'm not behind this and I'm not a scientist or anything like that, but so much so, like this very well-mind source that I had looked at, so they believed you could actually um, almost think yourself out of some sickness, you know? Now, I'm not talking about big things. Don't or listen to your doctor. Right. Thinking. right, thinking that you just need to think better, right? Um, but I am saying that there is some evidence there that, you know, if, if I'm going to sit around... I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And it's kind of like the laziness thing where I'm just, I'm never going to get out of bed and I have nothing to live for so I don't move anymore and I don't eat right and I don't care. You know, our thought life is going to take us down a path that's unhealthy, right? Um, (coughs) So those are things to think of. Now, this lady, Betty Sacelli, who I do not know. I don't know if anyone else knows who she is. um, But she was quoted on this site and it said, Two thoughts cannot occupy the mind at the same time. So the choice is ours whether or not our thoughts will be constructive or destructive. I thought, well, I don't know who Betty is, but she had some words of wisdom right there, right? We can choose. How am I going to handle the thought that just came in? Because remember, Paul says to capture that thought, right? So we can stop right then and say, I'm not going to say I can't anymore. I'm going to say I can and one of the examples that was used was like when the alarm clock goes, anyone have an alarm clock go off in the morning? 
anymore? No. no Carla does? What time is your alarm set for? Seven. Seven. And, and do you like to get up at seven, like you're cheery and you jump up? Yeah. yeah. And do you, what do you say to yourself when the alarm clock goes off? Gosh, anybody else? I don't care what time you get up. Do you say I'm getting up and get something done today? No. no. You do? I wake up with it because I know that's the time. In fact, when I was down in Phoenix this last mm-hmm. week, I, and I was coming back and I was saying, Lord, I am so sorry. Why is it when I go away, I can't spend time with you? Mm. Because I love to get up in the morning, get my coffee, and that's the mm-hmm. time I spend with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And this morning I was like, Lord, I hated it. I was away from you, and I didn't get to talk to you, and mm-hmm. I wake up excited that I'm going to do that. So those are morning people, right? They know not to call me till nine, though. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> so what's the plan today? We always ask each other, what's the plan? What are you doing? What's the plan? Well, you know what? I just ready early to tell you what the plan is. <laughs> they are. They're ready to tell you what the plan is. So um, I worked a little bit while I was raising kids. I, I worked at the hospital for a couple years and helped Richard when he um, was manager at a hotel up here, you know, things like that. So I, I did little things here and there. Um, but when I worked at the hospital, and you know that shift starts at 6 a.m., um, I could never get to sleep at night is I had so much anxiety about having to get up so early. And then I'd get up, and the first thing, I want it to hit the alarm, right? I want to turn it off. I hate this. I don't want to get up. I'm not a morning person. I'm, You know, what all of those thoughts that would go through my head to try to drag my butt out of bed, right? And um, they're saying, you need to take and on purpose replace the natural thoughts that you have. In other words, that alarm clock goes off and you say what a natural morning person says, I get to do something today. (laughs) Um, So I had to change and I became a morning person over time since then. And I, when I wake up, good morning, Lord. You know, I I, I can't plan anything beyond good morning, Lord, as I get to the coffee. (laughs) Amen, right? (laughs) Um, But we can choose to take those thoughts that come in. And and whether that's about getting up in the morning, maybe it's a trigger. We all have those triggers, right? You know as soon as that um, person is calling and you know heck is about to happen or whatever it may be, you know, um, that we have to change our thinking. Lord, you're giving me an opportunity to do what is pleasing to you in this moment. I have another opportunity instead of going down the negative route, right? So if you change those negatives into these positives, um, we have an opportunity to create a new path. Is And we talked, um, what was that lady's name? She was that um, mind psychologist or whatever. Do you remember yeah, her name? I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, but I listened to some of her, yeah. her videos. Carol? Yes. Leaf or something? Yes. Carolyn Leaf or something? Leaf. Yeah. Okay. She has so much information on this. And um, I didn't look up any of it today, but she just it reminded me of that. Just you can create these new neural pathways in your brain and um, change it. So, you know, I always find that kind of scientific stuff fascinating because it has been so often that something's in scripture and people don't buy it. You know, the world's round. No, no, the world's not round. Oh, wait. The world is round. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, there's all these things, people in history, that they weren't recorded, and later on they found out, you know, they dug something up and they found the guy's name on it. You know, something like this about the the thought life and that our brains can change. We can capture thoughts, and we can change that. Um, it's, it is very powerful. That ability to be able to do, but yeah. it's that mindfulness. We have to be mindful Amen. that, Lord, let me give it over to you. I think that's why the mind and the heart are connected, though. Well, and I just read something recently that there really, there's some kind of a syndrome about a broken, if you have a broken heart, yes. that mm. they're really, where did I people read that? Can, people can die from a broken heart. Yeah. yeah. And that there really is something um, mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to Rini's brother. Mm. Yes. It had just been a year, so like then maybe eight mm. days later, he died. That his wife had died a year before. Yeah. Mm. And it was like, they did the autopsy, everything that they did, never, there was nothing wrong with him. Nothing. It was just a broken heart. Did she get to go to the funeral? Yes. Yeah, she did. It was touch and go with Scott. They were going to release him early, and then um, he couldn't go to the bathroom yet, so he went, and then they were out. Well, because we prayed for him to I go know, to the bathroom. Huh? <laughs> and too, just the, the, the get into the meditation and your heart, because I would always entertain those thoughts for a while, mm-hmm. and Satan would come and lie to me. I was always entertaining them. Yeah. And now I've been working on not entertaining them. Mm-hmm. Right then and there, that's not who I am. I'm your daughter. I'm your child. You know, that's I'm, not what my sister-in-law yeah. Susie thinks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not think I'm a bother. But, yeah, but it's like you said, if you hear your old fish, your old fish, you mm-hmm. know, pretty mm-hmm. soon you start smelling like old fish. Right, yeah. Well, and again, you got those 10,000 thoughts in a day. Are you going to focus core on everything? Keep listening to that same lie over and over and over again? Or are you going to change the narrative, let God well, tell you differently? When I'm getting those, I have mm-hmm. to ask myself, is this really what the Lord would say? Mm-hmm. Is there an example of the Lord saying this Amen. in the Bible? And if there's no example, and I don't, you know, I'm like, this doesn't sound like the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, then I'm like, oh, out of here, Satan. Get that behind me. <laughs> right? One, two, last week I shared about the smoking and stuff. And like you said, willful sin. I just yeah. did it because I want to. Yeah. You know, it was nasty. It was ugly. So now I've been working on that, too. And, like, usually if I get in the van, I want to get smoke and cigarette coming, you know, or mm-hmm. going. And uh, it was like, like, what part? I know when I slide it up, it's nasty. Mm-hmm. It tastes awful. Yeah. You know, it stinks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but I lit it. I lit it, so I can't waste it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so you know what? Saying. It's the trigger. Why is it there? If you removed it from the van, you probably wouldn't go right. pursue it. Right. right? Well, see, and then, I, and then, you know, so is that Satan lying to me saying, oh, if you do that, then... You can't smoke it. It's not that you're not going to smoke it. You just can't because you don't have it. That's like Satan lying to me saying, oh, you better not drink. You better, okay, you think Satan's really telling me that? (laughs) (laughs) But remove triggers, again, is another big thing, you know. If it's always within, you know, take the junk food out of the house. I don't, I've never actually done it. I don't know if anyone else has, but (laughs) It's just not a good thing. Some things are just not. Yeah. 
so many last suppers. This will be the last supper. And then tomorrow, yeah. we're eating it's, only green things. Well, only if it was a Monday <laughs> yeah. and after the first of the year. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> right. Since mom's been gone, there's no little leftover. No yeah. Little, you know what I mean? She's like, yeah, no more done. pies. Mm. <laughs> Just because. Life's not good. David Guzik said, um, David closed this glorious psalm with a humble surrender of his mouth and his heart to God. I know that that's what we all want, right? We, we don't want to be, I, I don't believe that's your heart anyway. Yes. I don't believe it's my heart. I don't want to hang out being this willfully disobedient, whatever coming out of my mouth, hurting people or whatever, you know. I don't believe that. I believe that like David, we want to surrender that. Um, and that brings us to H is he is my rock and redeemer. The second half of that verse. If it wasn't for that, if because who's your rock if God's not? Oh, we make we get Uh, substitute rocks. My husband, my job, my me. Me, yeah, you know, I can only, yeah. it's only me that'll, and mm-hmm. I love that redeemer because it's a kinsman redeemer. Yeah, it's a kinsman redeemer. So this is like a relative that stands in the gap and pays the debt, mm-hmm. right? So he's saying, because Jesus is my rock, because he saved me, he's my redeemer, he's the truth I stand on. I don't have to stand on my own truth. I don't have to be perfect enough in the law. I, I am not the one that created the universe. He is. He's got this. So I want my thought life. I don't want to be the authority. I want my thought life to be one that is pleasing to him. Right? I want to be a living sacrifice that the aroma is pleasing to him. Not stinky. Right? Sorry, Lord, I'm stinky. Right? Yeah. It's the beginning the word of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, uh-huh. and then um, the last part, he's my rock, he's my redeemer, he's my Lord. Uh-huh. And so he's in charge, uh-huh. he's a solid foundation, uh-huh. so we don't have to worry about, you know, if we stay close to him. Yep. And that he saved me from my sin, he's my what, redeemer. And he's the strength, rock speaks to me, he is the strength in the moment that I want my mouth to fly. Right? David wanted to the core of him, even in the hidden places, to be fully sold out to Jesus. Do you agree? I want to be fully sold out to Jesus. Not half sold. Right? There's no such thing as half sold. Do you remember that realty sign? Right? I want to be sold to Jesus. Who else has got thoughts on your um, observation, application side of it? Well, I was reading a book, and it wasn't anything to do. It wasn't a Christian book. It was just a novel, and it was set in World War II. And they were talking about a man that was meditating. And so they were asking him about it, and he says... You know, prayer is when you talk to God, and meditation is when God is talking to me. Mm. And and I I like that because I thought of it as more than just 
my thought life mm -hmm. when I meditate, my meditations, but I thought about, I, also about, you know, um, you know, when it says, and the meditations of my heart, the things that the Lord is saying to me as well, and are those things, am I listening to the things that are really the Lord, or am I listening to things that aren't the Lord? Right. Anyone else? There's a book I read that I highly recommend. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. I've, I've actually read that book. That's a great yeah. book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that Craig, Craig Groeschel? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, so that is a good book. He actually also, he's Life Church TV. And um, his name is Craig. Winning the war in your mind. I think it's the name of it. But right now, um, these last since uh, that says mine. Um, January, February. So if you have like Apple on your phone, like Apple Podcasts, or you could probably find them anyway. But look up Life Church TV if you like podcasts and. Um, He's had this whole series on, like, winning the war in your mind, but, like, gutting out bad habits, you know, creating good habits. And he's got a whole series on it right now. I listen to him at night when I go to bed. Um, and that is a good book. Anyone else have a thought? What? Sharon, did you have something? Can't put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste. Yeah. The words are powerful and you can't yeah. take it back. You, you can't. You apologize, but you, mm -hmm. they still heard it. Mm -hmm. So, how do we combat it, though? Don't say it. Don't say it. But you know what they tell you about habits is the best way to get rid of a bad habit is to replace it with a good habit, mm -hmm. right? So, what's a good habit? Think only of good and Philippians 4, 6 through 8. You know, take everything to God in prayer. He'll give you that peace and focus on what is true and noble and right and all that. Right? Because it's kind of like the more bad, mm -hmm. you know, you, if you have a swearing mouth, you, if you swear, you're going to, all the, you know, you're going to do it all the time. It's going to become your word. Yeah. But if you don't do it, then what did we see that David did in the first two parts up here? He, fo he focused on who God was, right? Instead of working, worrying about what was going on in his heart and his life and his mouth at the moment, focus on who God was, and he just praised. Mm -hmm. take, take the time to praise. And then he, you know what? Scripture. He knew the Scripture, and he listed the whole things about how Scripture is life, right there right it is the it is the life breath to your soul and so you know what we memorize scripture psalm one nineteen eleven says i have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you i i say it many times um and i always forget the scripture it's in proverbs um keep watch over the door of my lips lord 
all the time. I'm like, (laughs) and I'm muttering, Lord, keep my mouth closed. And um, this is a really good verse to memorize. When you're wanting to go off or when your heart is really wrestling with that bitterness with somebody or, or jealousy or whatever the case may be, um, your spouse didn't pick up his, you know, whatever. Um, okay, so whatever it may be, somebody's going to be in our life that, you know, uh, drives us to this on our knees. And um, knowing this verse and that God can get us through that time and we grow in it and we create that habit over and over again, and we say to ourselves, I can be different. We're changing and we're making new pathways, right? Mm-hmm. God has provided that way. He says he will provide a way out for us. <coughs> um, and a person whose heart <coughs> reveals that God is her strength and redemption <coughs> because of that is going to be transformed. <coughs> okay. Um, And the fruit's going to show in my life. My words are going to be what scripture says. My words are going to be comforting. They're going to be edifying, right? They're going to lift people up. They're going to encourage people. Um, I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to speak in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You might not sing to me. That's all right. Um, But we were created for more, right? We were created for more. God calls us to grow. He does not call us to remain stagnant. So get challenged in your heart over some of this stuff. Any other thoughts? I've been working on this since the beginning of the year. Mike and I have been married for 48 years. And uh, he's very vocal. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it comes from being a police officer where he really couldn't say what he was thinking. You know? mm-hmm. And so often, you know, things will come out and it's like, it's not right, you know, and I'm learning. Yeah. I don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. Just let it be, let mm-hmm. it go. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I've been like, what would Jesus say? Mm-hmm. He didn't say that, that came in yeah. mind. Into my head. Let's yeah. just walk away or say something kind, something encouraging. Mm-hmm. And life has been so much easier for Good. both of us. We don't, you know, do this. Yeah, back not forth. back and forth. I have found the same thing in my life because I just think that's the way God works. Um, that when I want to tit for tat and go back at it, yes. if I keep my mouth shut, um, the other one usually comes back and says, you know, whichever way it may be. You know, because Richard, I told him one day what I do, and so he's decided to use it against me. Um, <laughs> So if we don't retaliate on the other one, uh-huh. then we usually see, let the Holy Spirit do the convicting, you know? And they're coming back, I'm sorry, I was, you know, and I'm not having to, we're not both apologizing after a big, nasty, ugly fight, you know? And you walk away or just don't say anything, you feel yeah. so much better. You do, you feel better, and you're just, Lord, you're talking to the Lord about it, right? Lord, just, I'm going to give it and to I you. sometimes mm-hmm. guys just need to verbalize. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need to yeah. get it out, you know. And mm-hmm. But all the time, like. <laughs> 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 well, 